Shut up and sit down. So I become kind of famous for my signature catchphrase, Whammy! You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Do you know what is the hardest part of learning to ride a bike? The pavement. I'm all about having fun. Let me go to SeaWorld, take my pants off. Why don't you stop talking for a while? Maybe sit the next couple plays out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. quit saying things when they crop up there. The old skull, huh? The mall is now reducing Black Friday prices to 96% off to the first hundred people inside the mall. <laughs> this is gonna be a f***ing bloodbath, Tom. There will be medical tents, ambulances, face painting. No doubt a lot of people you know and love are going to die. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm here with Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look warm and toasty with your drinks tonight. And joining us today, Mr. Edward Dudlick. Howdy, y'all. And no Champ Bailey, no Lance Epler, no Evan Price. How do you feel about that? I feel brokenhearted. A little sad, a little lonely. A little, I mean, especially on drinks night. Styled after hours, you guys. Styled after hours. It means it's gonna be questionable content. Maybe, maybe. Not safe for work. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, we are gonna do an atypical podcast tonight. We're not gonna do the whole backpedal thing. No Champ Bailey. Okay. I don't even know if we're gonna do one last thing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? We're just gonna tell stories. We're gonna okay. tell stories. Matt's gonna drink all the alcohols. Right? What you got sure. there, Matt? What you what you sipping on? I I called this, this I called this a Moscow Mule, and you said close, but not no cigar. More of a whiskey sour, yeah. Whiskey sour, yeah. Tasty. And the birthday beer that I brought you because Jake just had a birthday yesterday, or two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is a Windmere Brothers Cold Waters Cold IPA. It's not going to be cold for long if we don't drink it. All right. Well, we're gonna have to chase down that whiskey sour and get to that, huh? <laughs> Edward doesn't do the cold IPAs, though, right? That means no, no, no IPAs at all. Two birthday beers for Jake, then. Yeah, I'm more of a cider guy. Or I do like sours and gozas, but I don't know if they qualify as real beers. No, those... No, no. <laughs> I'm just going to say no. <laughs> right on. All right, hey, um, I, some stories. I, I want to... We're not going to backpedal, but this is kind of adjacent, but I think that this is more like... We just need to hear the story. Edward, you did the rim to rim to rim. Correct. About two weeks ago, three weeks ago now? Yeah, two weeks last Saturday. It's good because previously on our podcast, you came, joined us, told us you were training for it, that you were going to do it. Now we get to actually hear the story yeah, I mean, or somewhat of something of the story, maybe. Yeah, I won't I won't talk for 14 hours about it, which is about how long it took. Okay. Um, but it was incredible. I mean, What we, would Lance do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lance is actually, where's Lance at this very moment? Do you have him on Find My? Is yeah, he still in Prague or something like that? He was in Southern Germany and I, I've actually been to, I spent a week in Southern Germany on like some farm stuff and I was like, I sent, I almost sent him a text. I was like, you're, you're crossing right now over where I've been for a week. <laughs> but uh, Bavaria. Okay. 
where they drink Hefeweizen, and I'm pretty sure Lance did not partake. But if we play Where in the World is Lance Hepler? Is there a non-alcoholic version of Hefeweizen? What You're would asking that? the wrong person. <laughs> I guess you don't like beer, huh? I mean, I just don't want non-alcoholic versions of things that are supposed to have alcohol. It kind of goes in the same categories, fat-free ice cream and decaffeinated coffee. I mean, yeah. you just don't, that's just stuff you don't need in your life. It looks like he's close to Frankfurt, which is weird because I thought he, I don't, it's really tricky because I feel like he was south of there for a while. And then did he like fly back up? I know he was going to like pick up a van and drive for a while with a group he's, of random people. Yeah, he's been in a van and he's been riding on like little folding bikes with Brandy and they've been putzing around the cities and whatnot. They were in Austria, but now they're back in Germany as yeah. far as I can tell from stalking him. So. Interesting. And what are they about eight hours ahead of us right now? Or is it nine? Something like that? Yeah. That Should be nine. Nine hours? Nine in Germany? I think so. So like what three four o'clock in the morning or something like that there yeah you want to call and bother yeah, we should no, <laughs> wake him up <laughs> anyway uh, bef- before you get into your your story because I think we all might have some stories to tell and we will jump into this a little bit more but um, the topic or the theme of this other than the storytelling is going to be talking about cool gift ideas for cyclists and triathletes and I guess you could toss runners into this mix too but we all kind of come from that so we'll just say for the endurance community <laughs> cool gift ideas because you know what dude. Thanksgiving is a week from today, a week from tomorrow, friggin' Black Friday. You got to be that's, prepared for that. Yeah. That's, that's Everybody's going to war. You got to be ready. You got to know Some, what you need. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was talking to someone online, you know, just like comment section of videos and stuff. And they were like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. And, and then they were like, but I'm going to wait until Black Friday. I was like, oh, yeah, that's now. I yeah. mean, that's, you don't, this is not the time to buy something. Wait one week and yeah. then, you know, pick yeah. up whatever you need. Absolutely. Definitely. So, Let's tell the story, rim to rim to rim. First of all, why? Why the hell do you want to do that? Because someone suggested it, and I'm dumb, pretty much. I mean, I'm the because it's there type. I, that's how many, 46, 47 miles? About okay, that, yeah. and how many feet of elevation gain? 11,200. And you're going to do this all in one day, on foot, running, jogging, mm-hmm. whatever, traversing, yeah. hiking, what a whole time, bit. What all time do you above, start? Four in the morning. It okay. was 22 degrees, give or take, at the North Rim. Complete pitch dark, uh, almost a new moon. Was it icy? Uh, no. Fortunately, there hadn't been any precipitation in a while, so it was dry. But it was whipping up wind through the thermals once you started to get yeah. into the canyon. And so chilly at first, to say the least. I was running with my down jacket and some wool arm warmers, which I progressively peeled off. It's but probably nice to get moving and get running. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the most painful part was posing for the group photo when we started. Yeah, I'm barely in it. I took it, and I was okay with that. I bet. Um, but running into the canyon like in pitch darkness for two to three hours was yeah. was eerie, but also awesome in its own right. Yeah. Um, because the skies there are so clear, and you could see all the stars because there was practically no moon, and it was it was just surreal in its own right. And then, you know, we finally got down towards the bottom on the way to Phantom Ranch as the, the canyon was starting to come to life and, and light up. And so, like, this black expanse suddenly turning into something real. Yeah. Um, you know, as you're running towards the bottom and, and getting to the halfway point of, you know, having to start to climb again um, was just an incredible experience. So it was, I would say it's once in a lifetime, but I'm already dumb enough that if somebody asked me to do it again, I probably unsupported, not an event. You guys just go out and do this on your own accord. Is there any documentation or any record of how many people have actually accomplished this or set out to do it? 
no idea how many people have set out to do it or completed it. I know the fastest known times are just absolutely absurd. I mean, it took me a, a few minutes over 14 hours. Uh-huh. took my friend and, and his brother who supported him over 21 hours. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, they got in at 1 in the morning, which oh. was absurd. So you, you dropped him, huh? I mean, we the plan, <laughs> plan, air quotes, was to stick together all the way down to Phantom Ranch. Um, you know, group of five, let's all just hang in there till we get to the bottom. That lasted about 30 seconds. And then it was three of us up front and two in the back. And then my friend's brother was having some knee problems, which we knew about in advance. So he kind of fell back. We thought he was going to join his, his other two brothers. Um, but that turned out not to be the case. He was just doing his own thing. So it was me and one other guy I hadn't met until the day before, uh, all the way up to the South Rim. Yeah, you get real close with you somebody. get real tight you're... with people when you're doing those things, for sure. But then he, who lives at Park City and weighs like 140 mm. pounds, just took off on the way down from the South Rim. So it was pretty much me by myself the entire way back across the canyon. And wow, it was you know mentally challenging as much as it was physical, You know, especially when you get past Indian Gardens, past the bridge. And then there's just sort of this vast flat expanse until the canyon starts to climb again. Huh. So it's really six miles that you hadn't seen before because it was dark. And the whole time I'm going... Am I on the right trail? There's only one trail, yes. Um, did I miss something? Why does it keep winding? I don't remember all these little hills. <laughs> it just starts it's scary. Your mind just goes. Well, it's not even that. It's just monotonous and and it's it's grueling at that point because you know by then I'd been running for ten hours maybe. Yeah, nine hours. It's a long time, longer than I'd ever run before in my life at that point as well. Um, but really, the physical challenge started to come on the way up the North Rim again because I. Made a mistake, didn't fill my water bottles uh, at the last chance, and just didn't want to take in any solid food after that point. Um, so with about two hours to go, I was starting to bonk pretty hard, and it's cold and it's steep, and you're 12 hours in. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was still like a, it was something I'll remember for the rest of my life. All right, let's talk gear. You had a headlamp to start with. Headlamp. Did you um, have two lights? I think I think that's a rule, right? No. All right, if you were doing an ultra, there would be like a light plus backup light rule. Right. I'm aware. I had a battery backup. You actually had two battery backups yeah. for okay. anything that needed to be charged and all the appropriate cables um, because I didn't want to carry separate gear that was not necessarily yeah. useful on its own. Yeah, that's true. I just wanted to be able to charge anything that was having a problem. Um, fortunately, the only thing that died was my heart rate monitor, and I was not willing to bust that out and charge it. I just figured my watch would do a good job of that. It did not. <laughs> you know, it thinks I'm doing like 89 beats a minute yep. on the way up the canyon when I'm pretty sure I was gasping for Double air at a couple points trying to run. <laughs> so what else did you pack with you? Did you have a backpack full of all kinds of goodies? I had a Salomon Advanced Skin 12 you know, running vest, which yep. is probably one of the most well-engineered pieces of equipment I've ever seen. Huh. You don't even notice it's that it's on one. you. Um, it holds everything. It stores it really well. Nothing moves around. And I had that jammed packed with food and water and drink packets and anything I could possibly Is that need. running specific or could you use it for other disciplines? I wouldn't necessarily want to use it for anything other than running or hiking. Uh-huh. Um, and even for hiking, I mean, it's if you're going to try to go fast, it's great because everything's meant to be pretty reachable. Uh-huh. Um, but if you were trying to do an overnight, it's way too small. I have one of their hiking packs that's meant more for that in between and it's pretty neat. Sure. Um, because the whole design of it is meant to conform to your body. So there's no frame, there's no nothing. It's meant to feel like a second skin essentially. And it's actually pretty effective that way. Would you use that for a long gravel ride? Say something that was in that four to six hour range? 
contemplate it, but I have a USWE pack mm -hmm. that I really, really like for anything involving bikes because it just doesn't bounce. Sure. I've taken it. I've, I've inadvertently jumped my gravel bike with it, and it, like, didn't move at all. Okay. Um, plus, this doesn't have, I mean, you can fit a bladder to it, but it's not designed to be necessarily used with a bladder. It's got two little chest pockets like the Chase sure. Vest do. Yep, yep. Um, so it's suboptimal for anything other than anything not on foot. Okay. Um, but incredibly well designed for what it's, what it's designed for. Gotcha. What shoes did you use? I'm a big ultra fan cause I have a really wide forefoot and a, a Taylor's bunion on my right foot from wearing climbing shoes that were too small for years. Um, because that's what you do when you rock climb. Uh, so the wide forefoot, they call it like a natural foot shape is perfect for mm -hmm. me. A lot of people don't like them because it's a zero drop shoe, meaning the heel isn't elevated at uh -huh. all, but it doesn't bother me even on 14 hours of running. So huh. what was the, the most valuable piece of equipment you took with you? I mean, I couldn't have done it without the pack. Pack number one. Huh? And I think the, the hiking poles or the running specific poles that I have were really essential as well, especially on the way up the Canyon. I've always wondered about those and you kind of look at people that are using those like, that's kind of dumb, but is it something that you really need? Or does it help you keep your cadence or your balance or what's the deal there? For me, when, when your legs are kind of fatigued or when you're going over obstacles, it gives you something to, to shift weight on. Sure. And, and then, you know, thankfully I've got big arms from being a former meathead, <laughs> former, I don't know, maybe <laughs> current meathead. Anyway, I could just sort of cross country ski some and take some of the pushing off my legs. Sure. Um, so I know it's working when my triceps start to hurt. Gotcha. Have you ever done anything close to that, Matt? What's yeah. the What's the most arduous run that you've ever done? Hard, I mean, hard marathons, Ironman runs. Well, our Ironman's definitely going to be pretty pretty high up there. I mean, I always thought maybe like 50K would be like a reasonable distance. But 50, you get to 50 miles. That's just another level of, it's just a different kind of vibe to it. So That's a hard pass for me. I have all the respect for you doing that, but I just... It's not only no, but it's like hell no. I'm not, it, but it, at the same time, it's intriguing. I mean, to see the things that you saw, to do what you did, and to know that not very many people on the face of this planet are, have done it or are even capable of doing that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd have to say a road marathon feels harder in its own right yeah. um, because you're, you're just pushing so hard. Yeah. And you're always, if you're, if you're trying to race a marathon, even if you're just racing yourself, you're really running at your limit for for however long it's going to take. And this isn't that. How but long did you train for this? How four many, months. Four months. And in that four months, how many marathons did you do? Was it three? I did a full marathon, like an actual full marathon. Sure. And then two, three, three runs longer than a marathon on top of that that I did on my own. Jeez. Um, <laughs> including 30 miles plus a mile running to get to the shuttle uh, around Mount Hood. Okay. Any takeaways from this thing? Um, be prepared. I don't know. It's, I'm still sort of digesting it two weeks later. Really? Um, it was, you know, I, I just look upon it so fondly because I, I do stupid things like this um, so that I can remember them later and I mm -hmm. can tell the story later. Or, you know, sometimes I wonder if I, if I tell people I'm going to do them. So I actually have to commit and then I get to tell the story as kind of a reward, but wherever the chicken and the egg actually lie in that, in that bad metaphor. Yeah. Um, you know, I just do it for the experience. And, and I would say if you have any temptation to go do something ridiculous like that, recognize that as much as it will certainly suck at some point, you're going to remember it for the rest of your life. Oh, I bet. 
That's uh, that's pretty spectacular, and it's cool that you're able to to work that into your schedule. You're a busy guy, and you know you've got to, you also make your wife a priority as well. You're always you know attending to her and being a good uh, being a good husband, and to train for that on top of the crazy hours that you keep with work. That's that's an accomplishment, man. It, it took some some commitment on my part. It took some sacrifice and, and commitment on Marasi's part, and you know I very much appreciate that um, because I you know a lot of the runs I couldn't have done without her. The two yeah. big runs I did in training around Hood, she was there running support or being available to me in case something went wrong, which it did the first time. Right, I needed a pickup, and, and she was there to make sure she could pick me up at Timberline Lodge the next time. Yeah, because I certainly didn't want to wait for the shuttle or. Sit in the wind. Right. Gotcha. No, okay. No, we said, we asked you what the most valuable piece was. You said the pack. What was the, the dumbest thing that you brought with you? The least valuable thing? The thing that you're like, why did I bring that? Or did you have it pretty dialed in? And I mean, I I had more than I needed, but that was by design. I wasn't going for the fastest possible time sure. or my fastest possible time. I was going to make sure that I finished it so that I didn't feel like I had to go back and do it again if I didn't want to, because I'm the sort where if something doesn't go right, I'm gonna re I'm gonna analyze it and try to figure it out and tackle it the next time. Do you feel like you need to go back and and one up yourself in any way, shape, or form? No, I don't feel any need to. And if you had asked me that evening, I told Marasi on the phone, I was like, you know, if you really want to make sure I don't do this again, uh, I will sign a contract in blood right now. <laughs> I'm so broken and so tired. Yeah. But by the next morning, I was like, man. Maybe I want to yeah. want to walk that back, and then a few days later, um, you know, I was already like, if somebody asked me to do it again, or if there were an opportunity to do it from the South Rim and have a different experience, sure, yeah, I'm not averse to it. I'm not eager to go back, but that's subject to change too. Matt, pretend your Achilles is 100 percent all good. Oh yeah, I'm. Would, I would you be in on that? Love running. Yeah. Oh, we know that. I just am obsessed. So the idea of like ultras were never my thing when I was more competitive running, but like, or more competitive runner. It's, when you but, were fast. But like looking back, but now that I'm older, I love the community of ultra runners. I love the idea of just being like, yep, you just go bring what you need on you. Cause if you're like competitive marathoner, you're, you're doing nothing. I mean, you do, you go to aid station to aid station or whatever, and you don't need that much. Like, Couple Not even of, a gel. Couple of gels. Like that's it. Like you don't need much at all. But ultra running is just such a it's such a cool vibe. And we talk about this a lot, you know, like the it's akin to something like road cycling being a certain way. And then you go and you switch over to gravel and it's just like, oh, people are cool. People are it's just a better community. And I think ultra running has that vibe to it. And so that appeals to me a lot. Plus I like running long, plus I feel like I like running trails. It all adds up to like, yeah, I would have loved to have done some of those longer ultra run type things. I don't know. Like I said, like 50K, yeah, maybe. 50 miles is just a different, you know, it's a different animal to, to consider. Frankly, I really wasn't sure I could do it coming into it. Yeah. That was the big kind of hairy, scary challenge for me. I, you know, as I may have mentioned in a previous visit, I, I herniated a disc in my back stupidly deadlifting like five years ago in January and tried to run a 50 miler a couple of years after that, seeing if I was back and just didn't go well. My entire left leg seized up. It was, it was incredibly painful. It was incredibly mm -hmm. humbling. And so when this was proposed to me, I'm like, well, I don't know if I can actually do it, but I'll give it a shot. I'll give it the old college try, mm -hmm. but if I'm going to do it, I, I want to prepare as much as life will allow me to. Um, and 
you know, fortunately I was able to do that. And fortunately it went well. No problems with. No. And in fact, I mean, I could have jogged the next day if I had to. Yeah. If it weren't so cold, I probably would have just to prove it to (laughs) myself. But what's next? Oh, I I mean, the big thing on on the calendar for next year is Oregon Trail. That's one of those failed miserably must go fix that situation. Oh, yeah. Um, but I haven't really thought about any goals beyond that, or, you know, I'd like to do some bike packing next year. I, I did a trip with my cousin last year. That was awesome. We've talked about doing another trip this coming year. The, the thought of doing that sounds incredible. And then I think about it and I'm like, all right, there, there's the whole, like, you got to sleep somewhere in the middle of nowhere. You got to, And the only way, the only way I think I can make that work is if I could find a place to hang a hammock. I can't, I can't sleep on the ground. It just, my body you probably could. On the ground? No. Or bring a hammock. Hammock. Bring Oh, hammock. yeah. Have and you notice there are a lot of big trees around here? Th- there are. But, <laughs> you know, and I guess a hammock isn't going to take up too much space. And But the thing is, is in order to sleep in there, you got to have you know plenty of warmth. So you got to take, you know, the, the blankets and all that other stuff. I'd probably, and, and this is just me knowing my body, I'm going to have to put some sort of an air mattress in there. I'm starting to sound like a little bit of a, like a prima donna sleeper. But mm-hmm. my body is like broken. And if I sleep wrong, then it will wreck me for the next day, week, month, year. So so the last time I went bikepacking over Labor Day weekend last year, um, I brought not only a tent and an air mattress, but also a hammock uh-huh. and some other stuff that I just thought might keep me comfortable. Sure. Like I had flip-flops or or Merrill sandals so I could get out of my bike shoes and walk into the lake. And you can fit all that on a bike. It's pretty remarkable. And you don't need to feel like a wuss just because you want to be comfortable. I mean, (laughs) we are all of a certain age here. (laughs) The days of needing to be macho and prove how tough and and rugged we can be, I think are over for... No, those were gone long. I'll speak for myself. They're (laughs) over for me anyway. I think, And and so I just want to get out and have a good time and like see cool things that I couldn't see otherwise. And that's what... That's what running across the Grand Canyon afforded me. That's what some of the bikepacking trips have afforded me. Because otherwise, you're looking to fit this in over six or seven days or multiple weekends. And, you know, when you're busy, not always the opportunity to do that. And I think to that point where it's like comfort over speed, especially for bikepacking, it, it, it's not just like in what gear you bring, but also like what tires you choose, what tire pressure you choose, all those things. Like, no, just go comfort. Just go for comfort. Because <laughs> Matt's got his gravel be, beach cruiser out there just chilling. No, I, I I like the idea of bikepacking. Um, I want to do some training where, you know, like we do a long bike ride, like 100-mile day, find a place to camp close by. In case it doesn't work out, you can just go home. Yeah. Right? Like that's my idea of, and this was like my plan for this summer that never happened, was like just try it and see because then you figure things out, right? Like you figure out like, hey, the camping part didn't work for me. Then you just call it. You just go you know, home. There are some places that are pretty close to us that we can go try that. You know, you can just kind of like dabble in it and see Count if it's something in. that's going to work. And honestly, our, our first bike packing trip, we did it in May of 2021. Mm-hmm. It was the weekend before Memorial Day and it chucked down rain like torrentially oh, yeah. multiple times. So we carried everything we would need to camp. And did not camp either of the nights we were out because the first place we were supposed to, no campfires allowed. Yeah. Well, we don't want to freeze. Did so you just hotel it up? We were we were at Cascade Locks at, at Thunder Island Brewing, and I saw that there was a motel behind us, so I got on <laughs> the phone. <laughs> like, what do you have for three people? We got a private cabin. Sold. Yeah. Next day, we were supposed to, to camp at Lost Lake. 
fortunately one of us had reserved a yurt just in case because yep. it was 40 degrees and pouring rain. Oh. We were going to have to bike all the way to Welch's and try to get a hotel if we didn't want to get hypothermia. So it's still a bike packing experience. We carried everything we would have needed. And so, you know, there's, there's glamping and there's camping and then there's, you know, backcountry camping. I think a bike packing is a spectrum. The experience yeah. is just being out on your bike for a few days and, and sort of carrying what you need, but also recognizing you can stop and pick things up. Sure. You don't need to hardcore it just to have the experience. Gotcha. There's, there's pizza places. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. if Dean Carnazes can run like a, yeah. an ultra and have a pizza delivered to the he, side of the road, would, yeah. why can't I pick one up? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he would like call and order a pizza as he's doing his long run through the night. And then seriously. Yeah. And that's then, then awesome. just like eat pizza on a run. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's how it goes in his book, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've never met the guy. I, yeah, I haven't, no. I wasn't there to witness it, but I know the story and I love it. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Hey, Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Cat <laughs> joined us up here on the table. He's uh, saying hi to Edward right now. All right. Put a pin in that real quick. Talking gravel, talking camping, talking all the things. What is something in that whole genre that would make for a very cool gift for a cyclist that's out there doing Ooh. the whole gravel thing? So, you know, I'm a big safety guy, and if the budget is high enough... Safety Dan, do you have anything to say about this? I'm all about it, man. <laughs> Whatever he's about to say, I'm like, yes. Safety Dan. Safety Dan. Safety Dan. So I would say to anybody who has a loved one who's feeling generous or cares about their safety, you can't go wrong with an in-reach. Oh, I mean, there's a subscription that's a good, associated. That's a good idea. Yep. But this is my big push for Lance. I was like, you need to have this because I do not want you to die. <laughs> well, he Lance, he finally, mean, he never listened to me, but no. like someone else told him and he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it buys me so much peace of mind when I'm out doing things that, you know, otherwise I wouldn't feel comfortable doing without somebody there in case it goes sideways. Yeah. You know, I was out for a ride on, on Tuesday. I may have played hooky from work because the weather looked clear. Mm. And, you know, I did some some research. I talked to some people who a lot said of people this, from your work listen to this podcast. Oh, definitely. Just maybe one, two, actually, I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, um, turns out there was a lot of snow on the route that I was doing. Oh, wow. And, you know, I had four miles left to go in this 14-mile climb, and I probably should have just turned around, but we've established I'm not that smart sometimes. <laughs> and so I kept going, and there was a couple of points where I said to myself, it's a good thing you've got this on you, because if it goes sideways, nobody's yep. going to find you out here. Yeah. And it was never that scary. It was just like it's cold, and there's a lot of ice, and, you know, things can go sideways. What is the future for the inReach for the fact that Apple's now come out with their SOS thing that's built into the the new phones that are coming out. I don't think that's like fully released yet. No, it is. Is it fully released? They just oh, released I, it on Tuesday. Oh, like this like couple days ago. Did you look at the timing there? I know, right? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? You're you're Mr. Developer guy I, that works with I, Apple and I all got, the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, this phone, as long as it gets you know updated software, would have access to satellite things and. For me, it's perfect because there's, because I'm not you and I'm not on, on the weekly going off grid, but there's that fear that like, oh, even when you like bike from here out to the beach, there's spots where you're like, oh, you get hit by a car or whatever and they peel off like you're not going to have connection. And so this is a great feature and it is a huge selling piece for, oh, yeah. for me, for a particular device like this, considering I'm an Apple guy. Now, if I was on Android... You know, and even it, I would say more so like if I regularly did these, you know, gravel rides that really took me off grid, I think the inReach is a different product. You can really 
it's without hesitation, send people messages. Is it more robust? Is it more it's way? Well, that's just an yeah. emergency platform. Yep, you exactly. can send an SOS message and basically nothing else as far as I yep. understand it. That's correct. I can text from the inReach. Yeah, this is true. I can I can send a tracking link so yep. people can see where yep. I am. It'll update my progress. I can send automatic updates to say, hey, checking in, everything's going okay. And honestly, if you were to do like a bikepacking trip, you could check in with your wife. That's what I did. Every, okay. Well, and last go. year, actually, when I when I went up to Frog Lake, I was planning <clears throat> yeah. on coming back through the gorge, and Paul First was going to meet me up there to yep. ride. Well, a bunch of wildfire smoke blew in overnight. Yeah. And so we were able to communicate saying, hey, I don't think it's safe to ride, but we're already headed up there. We can pick you up. And so he and his mom came and were able to pick me up. And nice. without the inrage, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. Is it just a matter of time, though, before... Apple catches up to inReach and puts inReach or makes the inReach obsolete. It, it doesn't look like it. I think the only monkey wrench that I see looking into the crystal ball would be, you know, um, the Starlink stuff has potential to be uh, picked up by a phone company. I don't think it's, it's really weird because there's lots of odd politics between like Elon Musk and Apple. I know it's weird <laughs> that there's like that that gets involved. I could see some Android device like jumping on board on that side of things a lot faster than I could see Apple. Okay. And so that's the the piece where it's like, then you, you have pretty strong connection everywhere. And that would be the only piece that I could see. Because if you're really talking about the Apple device itself, jumping all the way to satellites, they're going to keep it emergency only yeah. for the foreseeable future. So we'll see. I would imagine, like, I think the future for the inReach is to eventually become more incorporated into other Garmin devices. So it's not a standalone thing. It's a subscription that you pay for as part of your Edge yeah. or as part of your watch or something along those lines. Because as yeah. a standalone device, it, it's fairly cumbersome. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have yeah, it's the gonna best be reception. To, it's going to be hard to integrate that into an Edge device, though. Yeah, you, you might be right. I, I don't know the engineering behind it. To me, you know, the edge sits out in front on most bikes. Mm -hmm. It's got a clear line of sight to True. the sky. It's a pretty big platform, especially if True. you're talking like a 1030 or a 1040. The 1040, and that's, for sure. And that's the demographic that's that would, would want that. Like if yeah. I had an inReach into my 1030, if I could upgrade that right now, even though mm -hmm. my 1030 is a year old, I'd probably buy it. Cause if they said like 1050 can do satellite connection, right. that would be... Would you buy a 1050 if it had a little bit of a horn of a number or uh, an antenna sticking out of it? Yeah, probably. I don't care. Maybe I mean, it has I'm like not, a little flip I don't need that to that be you, the yeah. most aerodynamic thing. You know, I'm, right. I'm taking that out because I want to go get lost somewhere yeah. and, and make sure I'm not actually lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I think that would be an interesting product for Garmin. I think the the step whatever second step for them you know step one is where we're at step three is maybe having an edge device or whatever but i think this the side step is going to be having all of these little devices and that's your phoenix and that's your you know top end devices where you and i think some of this stuff already works but you you're integrating your watch or your edge device with the you know actual satellite phone that you have in your pack that you don't have to get out right it's like you don't have to get it out you can do everything through here but it is relaying that information through the actual satellite phone yeah a lot of that already exists actually right. and and with the new inReach 2 which i don't own because i bought mine before it came out um there's actually a lot more integration with other devices than mine currently has you know if i want to text from the inReach i'm doing it from my phone mm, um, right I'll, i get out the whatever garmin app i need yep um and i type up the message and i 
hope to God it sends. Um, or I sit still and wait until the thing makes some noise and tells me that it's sent. Gotcha. So it's not a flawless system. I mean, I don't want to big it up as like the greatest thing ever, but for my purposes, which is making sure my wife knows I'm okay. Yep. Making sure I've got an escape plan if something goes sideways and knowing that, you know, I have a, an emergency beacon for, for SOS with like $50,000 worth of insurance or whatever behind it. It's worth it for me. How much more do you push it because you know you have that safety net there? Not much. Not much? You it's don't go more, a little bit further, a little bit higher, a little bit faster just because you know you have that there? No? No, I'm not that sort. It's more when I'm out there thinking I have it and go, oh, crap, I left it at home. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. where I get myself in trouble. I believe that. So the inReach, what is that, 350 bucks, Give or take. And then the monthly subscription is like 25 30 bucks. Yeah, like, for the... For the middle tier, like always on subscription, it's sure. about $25, I think. And you can pause it. So Correct. this time of year, maybe for you, you could pause it? I just keep it on. Okay. It's, I mean. You're wor- it's like, it's, it's, yeah. It's an insurance layer. Yep. And I figure if I, you know, just tack it onto the overall insurance bill, it really is a drop in the bucket for me. I yeah. could see people pausing it during the wintertime. They do, but I like to go snowshoeing. Yeah. And I'll still ride my bike in winter and I through the you. snow. I'm not that smart. <laughs> gotcha. All right. What's something else gravel related that would make for a good gift? I mean, I mean, I think uh, anybody running tubeless tires probably needs a, a plug kit. Yep. That's what I need to buy. If my wife is listening, that's a stocking stuffer. Uh-huh. That's a golden stocking stuffer exactly. right there. Dynaplug Micro Pro sits yep, in my kit all the time. Got a few things sitting on the table over here. Yeah. We've, uh, we've, Recently connected with Dynaplug, it's been a little bit of a, a thing in the making. It's just through the whole pandemic and all that other stuff, getting connected with certain companies was a bit of a challenge, but we are fully connected with them and we are super pumped because they make one of the best patch kits out there. I've used a lot of them. Some of them are hot garbage. Some of them are okay. Some of them are quasi-serviceable. These ones are like the gold standard in can, my opinion. Can I name names on garbage? <laughs> Go for it. Stan's dart. Yep. Is it bad? Oh, my God. See, this is so nice to not have to think and just be like, all you guys have done all the work for me, and I just reap I, the rewards. I loved the idea because it's so light, and it's so yeah. compact, and it it's garbage. Yeah, like I, I have never successfully plugged a tire. I took a tire that I knew had a cut in it mm-hmm. uh-huh. and, and put it, and it was still on a wheel. I'm like, all right, I know I'm throwing this away, but let's see if I can at least get it to seal. And it was... I think I broke three plugs without oh, ever getting no. one of them in the tire. <laughs> and so I, I threw the whole thing away and bought a Dyna plug and I have never looked back. Yeah. So, I mean, you and, and Lance and I, we had to use it when we were up at Timothy Lake over the summer. It yep. took a minute. Yeah. And just plug it and go. And they've got a few different iterations of it. We've got, what is that, the the pill or something like that? Is that what that's called? It's, it's a Micro Pro. <laughs> so they've got a couple Dual different purpose. yeah they've got a couple different thicknesses one of them is going to be more okay. for the smaller cuts and then some of the more large egregious cuts that you will get on a uh, gravel bike or a mountain bike um, they have a bigger plug for that as well which is pretty cool um, at the lab it's been one of those things where we get the chance to like try out a bunch of stuff we had some darts come in as well we we stocked about a few of them we tried them and we're like Yep, not going to ever order those again. Those just aren't any good. We don't recommend them. And that's one of the nice things is we get to play with things. And if it's good, we'll keep it around. If it's not, we'll let people know and we'll just say, all right, <laughs> au revoir. No, don't ever want to see this again. So it's uh, it's a fun process. But they've got a few different things. Uh, we've got the the, um, the Racer Pro, which is a pretty cool little thing as well. And that's like a, 
I don't know, what would you say? It's about the thickness, a little bit thicker than a pencil and probably about... Yeah, like a Sharpie marker? Yeah, kind of like a Sharpie marker, three or four inches long. And that will fit perfectly in any kind of a saddlebag or any kind of a vest or whatever you're running. It's a nice piece of kit there, I tell you. Um, another thing, and Edward's playing with it right now, is a new device, a new little tool that just came out from Pacific Northwest Components or P&W Components. Um, it's called the Pebble, and it's this little tiny multi-tool that is fantastic. I love it because it's small, but it's also got all of the, the, the basic tools that you're going to need on it. It's got a three, a four, and a five, and a six millimeter Allen key or a hex key. Um, it's got a Dynaplug that's actually built into it. And then if you unscrew the Dynaplug piece off of it, you've got the Torx T25. All of this in this little tiny compact thing that is just, it doesn't take up any space and it's super light and it's just, it's built really well. Um, it is a little bit of a hassle to get the uh, the Dynaplug thing out the first time, but once it all kind of loosens up, it comes out much easier the second couple times around. And that's a nice little piece of equipment. I must say, I'm impressed. Yep, that is uh, officially taken the uh, the place of the Crank Brothers M something. I think it was like an M19 that was in my toolkit or my um, my bag for a long time. It's quite a bit smaller, and it just it it works really well, and it's uh, light for the, the weight weenies out there. Yeah, I mean, you could tuck this just about anywhere in your kit and not even notice it's there. Yeah. Whereas like my big multi-tools, I'm, I'm always trying to find the right spot for them. Uh-huh. And, you know, I have one of those muck-off packs that I, I got from the, the lab, which is awesome. Yeah. It would be another great stocking stuffer, a little, like, muck-off <laughs> There's wallet. so much from muck-off. I feel like that's a, I mean. Well, and it, and hot pink. As we established earlier, <laughs> pre-recording, I love hot pink. So. But I think that their products are, they're a little pricey, they're a little premium, but they work and they're nice stuff. And why not, right? For Christmas or something like that, I feel like. And twenty four ninety nine for this rainproof essentials case, as, it, as they call it. I mean, I use it to carry both a, a digital pressure gauge, a Dyna plug, mm-hmm. tire levers, CO2, a CO2 head, it all fits in there. And it's like a, I've got a mine big, here with me right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to um, unbox it for y'all. It's, it's still got this plenty of room to put, put in things jersey, in there. Jersey pocket. Yeah. I, I take this in my Jersey pocket. And the reason why I started using this little muck off thing, it almost looks like a little man purse. If you want to call Is it, it your man sure. purse. What, what do they officially call it? A, a case. Essentials case. case. Okay. So I've got a tire lever on there. I've got an extra, um, ETAP battery. I've got my little pebble. Ooh, that's a good idea. And then this Lazine, uh, plug kit is going to get replaced by the Dyna plug. That those are okay. They're not fantastic, yeah, but they're sure. okay. They work. Um, I've got a spare tube. I've yeah. got there you go. <laughs> Edward just gave me a Dyna plug. Um, I've got my CO2 and I've got my CO2 head and then I've got like little bits and pieces. I don't know what the other half of it is. I've got my Oh, there oh it is. Oh yeah, that's a good. Master to have. Link. Master link. I've got a little um, bit to put over and unscrew a um a, a, valve, a valve stem, core. valve core. And then we've got like an yeah. old driver's license and some cash and uh, just good. like These all the little, things. some flat yeah. repair First uh, of all, for the record, he has two drivers, two old driver's license. You I only need one, buddy. I don't know why I have two. And I think I just have always kept them together, but I don't know. They're nope. both expired. And Time to put that one in a different <laughs> well, whatever. You no, know, that's what it was. I had multi saddlebags. And so yep. since I stopped using saddlebags, I had one driver's license and they're both expired. I had one in each saddlebag and I just threw it all in the, into the one bag. So. That, that's probably what I like about that the most. Yeah. I don't need duplicate or triplicate tools. If I want to go ride my mountain bike yeah. or my gravel bike yeah, or my road grab. bike, 
I have this in a spot with my helmet and my sunglasses, so yep. I just grab them all at the same time. Yep. And there's nothing worse, too, than getting back from a ride. And let's say that you used your CO2 and you put it back in your, your saddlebag and you forget all about it. And then you go on a ride again. And you're like, oh, there's CO2. And then you go and open up and it got crap. <laughs> this thing, it's always there. And you, I, I generally will like throw stuff in it all the time as I'm going. Like I might add different things depending upon what kind of ride I'm doing. And the CO2, if it's sitting right there at the top and I see this used right in the recycle bin, throw a new one in there and off and running again. And another great gift idea, I'm sure you still have at the lab, a little small, I've got a Lazine pump. Oh, yeah. Because if you want to go ride gravel, yeah. don't just rely on CO2. Nope. <laughs> I've been there. It's not good. I just, so I'm, I'm a fan of either a frame pump or just a tiny little hand pump. And here's the thing. So many times you're riding in a pack of five people or something like that. Someone gets a flat, you all stop. You are in no rush and days, the weather's great. I always offer the hand pump to someone and I'm just like, you can use, I get it. You got CO2. Great. Proud of you. Do you want to use the hand pump instead? And like nine times out of 10, they'll be like, sure, we're not in a rush. Let's use that because it saves me a CO2. Saves me $2. I don't know. $1. I'm about pretty sure CO2 is bad for tubeless sealant and just about everybody's riding tubeless now yeah yeah i don't know i'm a big fan of having a a pump on hand that being said recently i haven't been using one cool all right let's take the pin out of the story time what else is going on here with the the whole gravel stuff you got anything else on the on the plan on the the docket no nothing really yet i mean I'm, i'm exploring some things there's there's talk of a a long ultra marathon mountain bike race Later in the year, uh, with Evan and I. Oh, cool! Um, oh, wow! I think he's mostly Evan, lob- Evan lobbying needs to avoid the mountain bike. Well, I don't think he intends to do it at all. I think he wants somebody from the area to go, not have a dismal showing at Telluride. Okay, and he feels like I might be the guy. You're now, the I'm, dude. I'm not sure I'm bought in on that, and I'm not sure it fits the schedule given Oregon Trail like a month earlier. But TBD. <laughs> oh, that's. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd love to see Evan try it again. I just think that he needs to kind of get his confidence up because I think he had his uh, his backside handled to him just a little bit on that. And uh, it was kind of funny listening to um, to his buddy Kit kind of tell stories, but I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll leave it at that. It was fun. Evan is very good at, at some things bike-related. Um, <laughs> I don't think he would take umbrage with the idea that riding off-road is not on that list. Yeah. How about you, Matt? What do you I have got a lot of, I got a, Are we on safety patrol? Because safety, I got ideas. Do safety patrol? You can talk about some stories, or you can talk oh, about okay. what you want to do next year, or you want to talk about products. What know. you got? Uh, next year, I want to keep making videos because I'm having a blast doing that for the most part. Sometimes stresses me out, but where are we at? Where are we at with subscribers these days? I know that's not the big metric. It's more um, of like the views that you're getting. But I don't know. Let's you crack 20K yet? You're no, getting close? No, no, no. No, that'll be next year, I think. Uh, 16,000, about 16 and a half thousand. Good for you, man. So I'll be at 17 or 18 by the end of the year. So, um, company sent me this thing. And so this, the, going back to our little, like using a, a Jersey pack instead of, you know, the saddle pack, I was looking at my saddle pack and, and this company sent me this thing where it's like, okay, I need to remove my little seat under seat saddle pack to use this light that they sent me. It has turn signals on it, which not going to help you on the gravel road. No one cares about that. But what's interesting is it works with the computer that they have as well. The, the computer's a piece of junk, if, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. But if you program in your route, it'll automatically do turn signals for you behind you. So it's like he knows you're turning, and it'll just put the signal on for you, which really? I find very interesting. 
and I'm not sure cars need to know that I'm turning that much, but I love the ideas of just like having lights on your bike, have just showing like as much information as possible. Just the more safety, the more better, in my opinion. What's crazy about this is, and you guys have probably seen, you know, either advertisements or whatever for this, it'll shoot lasers down and give you like a safe passing range for cars. I assume, I haven't, I've done zero testing on this device, but I assume that this thing is really only going to work at night. Uh, so when I used to bike commute in DC, yep. I bought one of those crappy like laser, laser line yeah, things. Yeah. It never really worked that well, but for the... Nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine. Yep. I paid for it. I wasn't terribly surprised, but I love the concept because I like the idea. I, this I one think, is, I think, a hundred and twenty bucks or something like that. And you need their crappy and computer to to only to do. Okay, so it comes with a little pod that you can put on your um, your handlebars, so you can press the buttons yourself, which is going to be the way to go because you're not going to use this crappy computer. Okay, I mean. It, I, I was open-minded and still disappointed with the computer part of this equation. However, this little light thing, and, and I, I'm not 100% on this thing because it is made of kind of plasticky stuff. And I'm like, this thing gets dropped once. I don't know how much survival it's going to be able to put together. But the concept of having lights on the back, you know, nicely tightly tucked underneath your seat, and this little laser piece, I like the idea of it. So... I kind of decided, okay, I'll review this. I'm not going to review the computer except for in passing. I'll mention it. And they, they sent some other stuff too that I'm not going to review. But the light thing, the light thing's interesting. Um, but it tied into the whole like, hey, you know, you're going to get rid of your, your saddlebag. Then maybe some concept like this where, yes, you're using multiple bikes. You're using your mountain bike. You're using your gravel bike. You're using your road bike. Throw this in the jersey pocket and you're good to go no matter what. I like that idea. I like it too. Especially yeah. if you have lights and all kinds of stuff on the back of your bike. The The product recommendation that I have is, I haven't tested this weird turn signal thing enough to make that a recommendation. What I have tested is bike radar systems. Oh yeah. And if and imagine if you had turn signal lights in your bike radar. Maybe. I Maybe. Um, this one that I'm testing right now is from a company called Magine. M-A-G-E-N-E, -G -G -E -E, I think, I don't know. And it's, uh, it'll detect if you're braking and it'll s give a, a, a more solid light. Does it have like an accelerometer in it? Yep. Okay. And then uh, it'll also, when it detects traffic, just like the Garmin Varia radar does, it'll blink more. So it does that. It'll also detect that you've stopped and moved on and forgotten about it. It'll automatically turn off. Or if it, figures out that you're riding, it'll turn back on. So some nice little things. It's also cheaper than the Garmin Varia. It's about 130 bucks. And the Varia, the one that we probably recommend besides the camera one, that one is $200. Ah, uh, it's on sale right now for it 150 bucks. It's on sale yep. right now for $150, <laughs> exactly. And so um, when it gets to be close like that, it's probably safer to go for the Garmin Varia just because, again, this is, this is still a fairly yeah. new product yeah. and... Is, um, does it have the Ant Plus integration? With yeah, it's worked with every computer that I've tested with it so far, and it's nice. So, is, is there any kind of like a patent on this or that maybe expired, and that's why there's more product coming to market now, so, or is there a different protocol that they're using? So, um, protocol has to be the same. It's the Ant Plus Night uh, Light Network protocol and, and radar system protocol, and so that has to be a standard 
that Garmin has established through their Ant Plus symposium, whatever their standards body is for that. Uh, so that has to be the same, but the patent part is very interesting. My understanding is that Garmin does have all these patents on radar systems for bikes, that they purchased it when they actually purchased the original radar system from whoever originally made it. I don't remember what the company's name was, but uh, that stuff must be interestingly um, contested because there's multiple what seem to be like Chinese companies that are coming out with radars all of a sudden. So I don't know if a piece of it expired or what, but I imagine that Garmin's lawyers are having a field day right now because Brighton announced a radar system. They sent me the radar system. I, I wouldn't say this if it was, you know, I, I don't want too many people to know this, but they did send me their radar and uh, it didn't work at all. And they finally send me a message and they're like, we're not, we're not actually going to release this product right now. We're going back to the drawing board, whatever. And so they're planning on releasing, I think they call it the Guardian, the Brighton Guardian. And then at the same time, basically, it was the same um, Eurobike convention. Sure. Uh, this machine company also released a radar. So it seems like some sort of patent might have given out or whatever. I don't think so. I think these companies are just doing it. It's like blatantly stepping just on their patent. blatantly yeah. stepping on the patents because they're, yes, to the legal gray area. Of, to be fair, okay. having briefly to be fair in patent law, there is a whole area called design around in patents where they look at something yep. that, that appears promising and say, all right, where's the hole here? What can we do to implement this idea? Now, I don't have any knowledge. What's the international rules? Because... Well, that's the other thing. If their international patents are a little weaker or they couldn't get patent protection in certain countries, that's then they might be violating U.S. import laws right. um, while still not violating the patent internationally. And I think when I'd first read about this a while ago, that was one of the things that Ray Maker okay. had speculated. Yeah. That's my guess as to what's going on is that, hey, everything's fair game in China. Push it into the U.S. and we're going to run into some hurdles. Yeah, or... Just make the money while you can and, and see if Garmin yep. just gets a cease and desist and says, all right, leave and we'll, we'll let you go. Yeah, but they're going to be constantly, this is the, you know, you're stepping on a thousand different, you know, bike retailers that are bringing this product in as opposed to, you know, going after the source, which is in China, which they can't get to. So it's going to just be whack-a-mole, right? It's going to be a problem for Garmin. But I guess that's why they have like a, you know, full building full of lawyers. Sure. That's the game they're going to play. So to the best of your knowledge, sure. is it just three companies then? Garmin and these other Brighton and then who are the uh, other? Uh, Magine. Magine. And Brighton. Brighton's does, their radar does not work. And I've yet to hear back from them on an actual date for that product. Um, didn't, I actually like took it out. Didn't work at all. Um, but the Magine one works and it works fine. It's just I actually tested it side by side with the, um, with the Garmin, I used the Garmin 515, mm -hmm. which is their kind of middle, would you call it in the middle of the road, Varia radar. It's yeah. the, it's kind of the standard one, right? Yep. Uh, doesn't it doesn't have, have a, the camera. doesn't yeah. have a camera on it, but it does have a tail light, which I feel like those are the ma most closely matching products. And uh, it seemed to work really well. I wouldn't hesitate to use it. I think the big thing is you can't have, you can have false positive, right? Where it's like, says there's a car there, there wasn't a car there. You can have that. That can happen. What you can't have is false negative, where it's like, doesn't tell you oh, there's a car there. You drift out in traffic, and there was a car there. Oh, yeah. So 
that's the game we're playing and that's what you really need to test with these products when you're testing radars in my humble opinion but this one seems to work pretty well are you you're obviously running a radar because i know that you absolutely love them are you love using them. the 715 or using the 515 I'm using the one with the camera, which the is 715. Yep. Yeah, that's my go-to device. I always put it on. I always press record. I always go out there. Um, I am, I'm testing this machine one because that's, you know, what I am doing because I'm always trying to make videos and stuff. Yep. And, uh, and I'm testing it with different computers and stuff like that to make sure it works. So that's kind of what I've been rolling with lately, but that's only been probably a couple of weeks in the video you know, I don't know when that video is going to come out. Maybe two weeks, two or three weeks from now. Okay. So, yeah, I've got both of them, and I yeah, I sometimes feel bad because like I, we we, we're always saying things, we, right? we we have all of the things, and like I feel like yep. privileged here, Me too. <laughs> like special. Me too. But I mean, a lot of times we get the stuff either for really inexpensive or the the manufacturers are just giving it to us, and so mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate that way. But in the same breath, we get to use these things, and we get to report back to people and let you know. These yeah. things are a worthy purchase, or these things are hot garbage. Don't do it. And so you're I, saying I'm the sucker who had to pay full price for these things. It's it, <laughs> when I think when My you <laughs> you you do. I I feel guilty every day when I'm like, I've got these eight byte computers. Which one am I going to take today? Yeah. Like I just you feel like a jackass. <laughs> there you go. That's the the. the but, that, yeah, that's it right there. It's I think that you you know at some point like. Either you trust me or you don't. And if you don't, that's okay. I'm fine with it. But I do think that like you have to be, you're more, you're even more critical because you're exposed to more devices. Sometimes I think with watches, because I have stupid amount of watches, that I might not be a good judge only because someone will be like, okay, well, you know, you're wearing this one and that one or whatever. And I'm like literally changing watches multiple times per day. Like, I, I see think Matt I was like this once one. or twice a week, and he's always got a watch on each wrist. Yep, right now is no exception, and it's yep. always different. It's They're always, always different. a different watch, and sometimes not a lot of not a lot to talk about him. I'll get slapped. I'll reach across the table and he'll slap me. He's like, "Don't talk about the watch." You but know? here's the crazy part: is like this morning, I don't think I was wearing this watch, and a lot of times, what people want to know is like, "Okay, when you've been wearing this watch for, you know, twenty four days straight." And it's tracking your such and such. And I'm like, shoot, I never wear this. You know, like I very rarely wear a watch that long. Mm -hmm. I'm maybe missing out on some judgment calls because I'm not using it enough or I'm not using it consecutively enough. You ever watch MTV Cribs? I love that show. Can I come over to your house and do an MTV Cribs? And wait, I want to get into like your just, office and I want to go like see your watch collection. I have this um, cool thing that I built. And it's, and it's, uh, so do you know those like pegboards things? Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not big or anything like this. It's probably about the size of your road podcaster here. Uh, so we'll just say foot by foot. Sure. And it's the, it's got pegboards. So it's got wires coming like out from in, inside the, and I haven't yeah. sent this out yet, but I eventually am going to post some sort of video and all these different chargers. So it's like Garmin chargers and polar chargers, polar watch chargers. And I think there's a Wahoo charger on there uh -huh. somewhere. And so you just walk and I actually put um, LED lights behind it. And so you just walk up and you can kind of like slap a watch on there because I'm using those um, Garmin pucks. Uh huh. And so if you have a Garmin, you have one yeah. and they're cheap. They're like 10 bucks for two of them or something. Anyway, there's these Garmin pucks. If you guys have a Garmin watch, you should totally snag one of those. So I put them on all the pegboard or whatever. And so you can just kind of walk up to this wall and slap a watch on there. And it's just full of, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 watches. Yeah. 
next to it, I've got another six watches just because like I don't have room for any of these watches. And then Polar changed their charging type and it, it's a big mess at my house. But for a minute, for just a minute, I could charge all these devices and it was kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> Cribs. Let's do that. Can we Cribs. do that? No, because because my office is like. Can I? It oh. looks like it looks like um, a tornado went through there. It's a mess. Yep. Sorry, Edward's, get, Edward's getting a, a refreshment. We're here. also yes, yes. <laughs> Matt, would you like another one? I'm quite good. Are you sure? Yep. <laughs> I'm the only one that hasn't uh, polished off all my drinks, and plus I got your birthday beer to work on. Yeah, well, I'm working on that that you gave me, but you've got the one that Edward, because Edward doesn't do the IPAs. Well, that's fair. What would happen to you if you drink an IPA? Would you just like gag a little bit, or would there be like consequences tomorrow? I will try it. It's just I've never enjoyed beer. Really? No. Never. It 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 tastes. I feel like beer. I feel like beer is like coffee. I was telling my oldest kid this. I was like, just don't start. Just don't start drinking coffee because it kind of when you first start drinking coffee, it's like not that good. Then you get obsessed with it. People's lives like that, Matt. Same thing with a beer. <laughs> I think when people start drinking beer, they start drinking like wine coolers and Zimas and stuff like that. Zima. <laughs> Zima doesn't exist anymore, does it? <laughs> I don't know. It's but called White Claw now. White Claw. White Claw. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like people did all that because they the taste of beer wasn't that good. And then all of a sudden you get into it and you get obsessed with it. When we so were, just don't start. Like Lance. Yeah. Lance on, you know, he's good. When we it's were clear. in high school, every, that was like the rage. Zima. Like Zima. Everybody know, wanted the Zima. And one, <laughs> of, my, threw that out there. one of my friends... Roll didn't drink alcohol at all. And he, at a party, somebody offered him a Zima because um, he used to say that everything caused cancer. You know, it, it was just, it was just like a running joke. He wasn't like poking fun at cancer or anything like that, but he was just like, he, there's certain things that he didn't like and he was very stuck in his ways and alcohol was just something he doesn't do. And he would just jokingly say it caused cancer. And we were at a party. Somebody walked up and said, hey, do you want a Zima? And they, had, they went to him and, oh no, those things cause cancer. And then he turned around and went somewhere else. And then the person's like, oh, should I not be drinking this? Do these things cause cancer? And it spread like wildfire through all of my whole like hometown, yeah. my high school. Everybody stopped drinking Zima because it supposedly caused cancer. caused cancer. So I don't know if that put Zima out of business, but that's what we like to say. But it was always a funny story that we had. But anyway, I hope, I hope Zima still exists. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm sure. There's so many people that are like, Bring it back. Young and new yeah. business idea. What is this? So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Evan Price has no idea what Zima is. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows White Claw. There he does. Um, all right, where are we at? So I don't know. That was a long-winded story to tell you that people should buy radars. <laughs> this is going to be the weirdest They're fantastic, podcast. though. They're so good. For 150 bucks right now, if you don't have a, a radar, get one. go get one. It's totally worth it. It's Agreed. It's the one product where I'm just like, I talk about a lot of products that people don't need. Get a radar. We've talked about this sort of stuff before in the past. Like, what are some things that you need to have as a cyclist or what are gift ideas? What are the, like, just anything that falls in that jurisdiction? This comes up every single time. And so many people, I mean, we've sold hundreds of those things. And everybody says, like, in the beginning, like, oh, people tell me I'm going to like it. And they'll come back and tell me. I didn't know how much I needed that thing until yep. I started using it, or I didn't know how much I was going to love it until I started using it, and I didn't know how much I was going to miss it until I didn't have it with me. I feel like I'm riding naked. That's I, just it. It's one yeah. of those, oh, I should have bought this way sooner sort yeah. of things. Yeah. I, I bought one before we moved out here, so two years ago. Sure. And I'd been riding on the road for a decade Forever. plus. They'd been around for a few years. They thought they were silly and spendy and whatever. And then the moment I was about to get buzzed by a car and I knew it, it's like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell, I mean, I'm just like, if I could give you this, I would. And it's, 
and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to tell people any more than like, if you, it's hard because it's like, well, I can use a mirror. Like that's great too. Do both. Yeah. And you'll probably like the radar. Any of you guys ever had a bicycle stolen from you? Ooh. No, fortunately. No. I have not. I Well, as far as I know. I had a stingray stole from me when I was a kid. I was just a little. You're still angry about it. Yeah, bull cut kid that was riding a stingray over to the local market and someone stole my bike and that was way back in the day. But let's fast forward to today. Um, I haven't had a bike stolen from me personally. The lab's been broken into and we've had quite a few bikes that have lost. That was kind of a sucky thing. But Could you put um, these on a whole bunch of bikes at the lab? I mean, sorry, I don't want to give up. You on technically jump, could, and we're going to jump into the next thing that we're going to suggest here. Um, it's from Nog. It just came out. It's called the Scout. These things are pretty cool little devices. Let's see if Matt can figure out how to open it up here or not. Well, I don't want to rip anything uh, because this is a product that will potentially be guys. sold. It's oh, that's all right. We'll so. never figure it out. <laughs> you want to play with that real quick? So it's called the Nog Scout, and what it is, um, it basically bolts to your water bottle cage. Yeah. Or underneath your water bottle cage, between the frame and the bottle cage, and it it's it's very slender. It's only twenty five oh, grams. I thought it was yellow <laughs> for well, a minute. I was like, so that's you, not good. Like if you're not running a bottle cage and you want to put the yellow thing over it, you can, but you don't have to. It's just yeah. a like if your you know, bike is yellow, sure do it. But sure. otherwise, this thing is supposed to be subtle. Yeah, it is. And, and for thieves, if you mount it underneath a bottle cage, it's going to be pretty firmly secured to the bike, and it's going to be a hassle to get off. Yeah. These no one's things, gonna. If you're stealing bikes, you're not gonna notice. Yeah. So these things you can actually alarm. So let's say you walk into a coffee shop and you even have, you know, like a, a bike lock on your bike or something like that, or like a yep. little auto lock or something along those lines. If you arm it and you go into the coffee shop and your bike's locked and somebody even moves the bike and jostles it in any way, shape, or form, it sounds an alarm and it's a pretty loud alarm too. I think it's like 85 or 90 decibels somewhere in that ballpark. It's loud. So. The chances of somebody wanting to take off with your bike or try and screw with it or try and cut your lock because of an alarm screaming, that's probably not going to happen. Zero. They're either going to take off or they're going to grab the bike next to you. It's kind of like that old thing, like, you know, how do you not get killed by a bear? Just be faster than the other guy running with you. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of that thing. So if your bike has this on there and somebody's messing with it and they really need a bike, they're probably not going to take yours. They're probably going to take somebody else. Yeah. Sorry, Edward, if you don't have that on there, but they're going to take your bike instead. No, I haven't had a bike stolen. I may have been very fortunate yeah. that way, but it, my understanding is they're mostly. Crimes of convenience. Yep. They're, yeah. They're going to steal the bike that's unlocked versus yeah. the bike that is locked yep. versus the bike that's locked and has an alarm on it. So that's point yeah, that's one. And, and that's kind of like the first line of defense. The thing that's really cool about this, and it's got its pros and its cons, but it actually works just like um, uh, an AirTag. AirTag. And it works with the Find My network. So if your bike gets stolen and this thing is on there, you can track it with the Find My. You can go find the bike. And if it, the people don't know to take yeah. this thing off, and you literally need to have like a four or five millimeter Allen key, and you got to unscrew both of the bolts that are on the bottle happen. cage, and you got to take this thing off, and you got to ditch it. That's probably not going to happen. And you're going to know that your bike's probably stolen if you're. I will say that if if they are professional bike bike thieves and they they're throwing bikes in vans or whatever it is eventually the find my network will tell them like, Hey, you've been traveling around with an air tag and they're going to start going through their inventory and they're going to figure this stuff out. Yeah. I will also say that somewhere on my mountain bike, mm-hmm. which you know, cause you worked on it was in your van, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. in your van for yep. a while. It has an air tag on it. Yep. And I'm just going to tell you like, it's, it's very similar to this. It's underneath the bottle cage and peace of mind, man, it is just so I took I took that bike with me to a couple of different um, cross country races. Just you just don't worry about it anymore. You're like someone steals this, 
great. I'll go find them. It's just like such a mental, yeah. it's a mental breather and a mental piece of relaxation to just know like if your bike goes missing you can find them yep and you almost just wait for it like good luck you're gonna this is the wrong bike to take yeah you know i'm not 100 percent sure about this guy but with your air tag and yeah so matt dropped off his bike and we did some work on it at the lab and then matt lives pretty close to me and i was gonna swing by his house and it just didn't work out for like a week for me to drop by his house to give it back to him and every time i would get in the car i would hear the air tag start to chime i'm like all right well Matt's air tags chiming to let it let me know that you know Matt's trying to track where I'm at. I'm sure it's sending Matt a signal saying your mountain bike's on the move, Matt. It's going over here. So I mean, we would have that probably thing going on, and then my phone would tell me that there's an air tag not belonging to me that's using my phone yeah. to you know to, to tell its location so that Matt can't stalk me or if Matt's sure. trying to stalk me, I, I at least know what's going on. But yeah. I wonder if that feature is even enabled on this. I that's the thing would be. I don't. I don't know if it's if it's find my compatible. It, it would be the same situation as an AirTag. Okay, so it's using the same protocol. Correct. Which I think this is nicer because it's a little bit slimmer than what I have. Mm-hmm. Mine is basically a piece of plastic that has an AirTag that drops into it. Yep. The one thing that I will say, we've talked. I don't know if we talked about this on air or if we talked about it before. Muck Off, which is a brand that we all like a fair amount. They make nice stuff. They also make the exact same thing, and it's an air tag thing that goes underneath your cage or yep. of your water bottle. That one is pink, hot pink, which only is going to work for certain bikes out there because you don't want to scream, hey, look at this little thing underneath my water bottle cage that you might want to remove so that you don't have an air tag tracking you. I saw that hot pink. I didn't look Why? to see if they have other colors, though. Why? Do they not have other colors? It's only From what I saw, it was only hot pink. Interesting. I know that, Matt, you got to go soon here. Yep. Um, I got to go. Probably this thing is, though, it's it's fantastic. It's here, Here's the drum roll. It's 60 bucks. Uh, yeah, but you for what it does, you know, I think that's the... That's close to the right price. If it was forty bucks, it'd be like done. Shut up and take my money. Yep. Yeah, I'd have one on every bike at that point. Well, I think people should have air tags on every, on all of their bikes. You can put them underneath a seat. You could. Well, I mean, my it, wife has an iPhone, so I'm in. I'm in the clear. Yeah, you could. You could use that, and then if there's a problem, you get. You ask her to find your bike for you or whatever. I sixty bucks is a little. So how much is just a single air tag by itself? You buy a set of four. Like hundred bucks, hundred bucks. So it's like twenty five bucks, and then if you go buy the muck off thing, it's like twenty bucks, or yeah. any of the other yeah. people out there, it's about twenty bucks. So, so that's forty five. About forty five. So you're fifteen dollars away. This is more slender. I think it's going to probably ultimately be maybe even a little bit lighter. And, probably and even has a the, better battery. Life. And it's got the alarm built into it as well. So it's got a little bit more about it. That's pretty cool. Yep. The downside with this though is it does not work with Android. So, well, yeah, but that's every AirTag thing. That's about, you know, most of the bike population is okay because I'm just a weird stalwart. No, so <laughs> I've, I've talked about this a little bit, but like the, the Apple Ultra watch, right? Like I talk, I mean, that's, that's like my go-to jam right now. I need to make like 20 of those videos. But here's the thing. You have to have an Apple like phone for that to work. Great, great watch, whatever. But here's the thing. 70% of the worldwide smartphone users don't use the Apple phone, right? Like the the iPhone. It's massive. Right. But I think if you were to look at you look in the, U- the weeds, demogra- you look in the US, well, it's 50 look 50. At, look at demographics. The okay. people that they can afford, you know, a bike that's available at the lab and all these fancy yeah. toys that we talk about probably have an iPhone because that's the people Apple is really catering to. Maybe. They're the people they want to want to get. I'm the weirdo who 
you know, I'm fortunate enough that that's not the issue for me. I just right. don't like iOS, and I don't like that they have a cable that doesn't work with anything else. So well, uh, that's going to change. Yeah, that might be what pushes me over the edge. Maybe constant talk well, with my wife. She's right. tired. I got to rock out before you leave. Okay. Any other things that you want to throw out there, like a quick like hit list? Bullet points, a mm. couple things. Tune into my channel and I'll make a video about it because I always do a holiday, like stock, stocking stuff. I'll do one for swimming, one yep. for biking, and one for running. I do it every year. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up right now. No one last thing. Edward, you got anything that uh, you want to throw out there? Any more things on the list? No. I mean, I'll, I'll be selfish and say happy belated birthday to my beautiful wife, Marasi. Oh, when was her birthday? Two days before yours. Oh, that's right. Happy belated birthday, Jake. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to throw out there a couple things for some people. Get them some cool bar tape. That's that's always a nice thing. That's a good one. The Halo Skull Cups, those are a fantastic thing. And another very cool option that you might want to think about for somebody that uh, has everything would be some bicycle art from, you know, like a local artist or somebody that's doing like the repurposed art stuff from uh, like old parts and whatnot. Uh, we actually have a teammate, Scott Troutman, and he has been making some fantastic stuff. It's uh, posted up on... Um, social media we've posted it a few times and we've got uh some pictures that we'll, we'll share after the podcast here and as a matter of fact we might even use it as the thumbnail art for this but anyhow um he's making bicycles out of different parts and it gets posted up on a uh, really decorative piece of wood he's selling these things and he's got himself an etsy page that uh he has everything listed and we are actually keeping some pieces down at the uh, lab for people to come by and check it out purchase as well but if you want to go check out his artwork or maybe pick something up direct if you're not here local you can go to etsy and uh, just search him up he is uh, scott's bike art on etsy pretty cool stuff though and uh, i actually think i might actually have to pick up a piece for myself here for the office all right that's it show over we will be back next week with another one of these and until then bye for now Bye.